Hi everyone, welcome to Oscar Wilde, a podcast about film, always counting down to next year's Oscars. I'm Nick Rohrkraut. And I'm Sophia Simonello. And we're back with another summer episode. We'll also be celebrating Pride Month with today's episode, and I'm excited about our little crossover. So we did a movie trade. I got to see Fire Island early, and I could not stop raving about it. I won't today. I apologize in advance. But the story itself is an adaptation of Pride and Prejudice, and I hadn't seen that, the Joe Wright version, well, any version. So we thought that it would be great to make each other watch these movies, and we'll be discussing the similarities, the differences, and what we both thought about Fire Island and Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk about both of these movies as... A woman who was an English major and loved my English classes in high school and college, Pride and Prejudice, the novel, is very near and dear to my heart, and the Joe Wright adaptation is as well, but I'm very excited to talk about Austin as an author and how we have so many fun Austin adaptations, and they're not necessarily your more straightforward adaptations like the Joe Wright Pride and Prejudice, but they can be like Clueless or fire island Mm -hmm. so not to step on our conversation about fire island but i loved it i thought it was very fun oh good yeah (laughs) okay so let's get into the movie i wanted you to watch pride and prejudice from 2005 description here sparks fly when spirited elizabeth bennett meets single rich and proud mr darcy but mr darcy reluctantly finds himself falling in love with a woman beneath his class this was directed by Joe Wright. It stars Kira Knightley, a massive ensemble of British talent here. Matthew McFadden, Brenda Blethyn, Rosamund Pike, Carrie Mulligan, and then Donald Sutherland, too, who's not British, but that's fine. We'll count him here because he's excellent in the movie. It was nominated for four Oscars. It didn't win any. This was the crash year at the Oscars, so crash, broke back. Mm. Let's situate ourselves at that ceremony. <laughs> Kira Knightley was nominated for Best Actress. It also received nominations for Art Direction, Costume Design, and Score. So had you read Pride and Prejudice, the book, before? Or you said this was your first like entry point into Pride and Prejudice was Fire Island. Is that correct? I mean, it's fine if it is. It's a good starting point. I'm <laughs> not going to lie. Apart from other adaptations, I think like delving into Pride and Prejudice for this episode in these movies is my first entry point into Jane Austen. Oh my god. Wow. (laughs) What did you think of Joe Wright's Pride and Prejudice? I think it's clear that this movie set the stage for every single other movie that Joe Wright made. In terms of period movies, it's very well made. I do like his style. It's just funny comparing these movies because I am all in on Fire Island and I had so much trouble focusing or understanding the names in Pride and Prejudice. Okay, let's view this as its own movie. Because one is supposed to be fun and one is supposed to be like sumptuous and sensual. They're totally different tonally. Right. I think even if I said that as comparing the stories alone, which is essentially the same story, it still impacted me differently. As I was watching it, I could understand why this was more of a you movie than a me movie. But I love the design. I thought it was stunning to watch. All of the outdoor shots in the fields and the interiors between the different houses. The cast worked really well together. That was another high point for me. 
one of my favorite moments came from Rosamund Pike very late in the movie. But I think overall, it's one of those period movies that you know is hard for me. I guess I'll just never understand why. I don't know. It's fine. (laughs) What about this version do you like? Is this your favorite adaptation? Of Pride and Prejudice or Austin? Pride and Prejudice. Pride and Prejudice, it's hands down the best. There's nothing comes close to it. It's just like it captures the feeling of the novel. It's not a straight word-for-word adaptation. They make changes to the text, but it captures that feeling that you get when you read the book. And that's why I think it's the best. It came out, you know, 2005. It was a staple for my friends and me. A few years later, we were in high school. Like, I would watch this movie regularly. It's romantic. It's exhilarating. It has this stunning eroticism to it. I think you can really feel that between um, Elizabeth and Darcy specifically um, almost instantly. It's a sensory experience. I thought a lot of Jane Campion um, this time when I watched it. The importance of just touch and little things about being in that environment, I think you can really feel. My favorite Austin adaptation is Ang Lee's Sense and Sensibility. I think that Emma Thompson's adaptation of that script is perfection. Definitely my favorite, but this one comes close. I think I also, so thinking about the performances, like Kira Knightley is so great in this movie. I think she is the perfect Elizabeth. She makes the role feel very light but very strong at the same time she has a fierceness to her that makes the character feel like she's not from the 1800s but like she's from now it's very realistic she doesn't feel like she's on some like bbc special it feels like she's this feisty young person who wants to embrace what's ahead of her in life and i really love that and the scenes in this movie are gorgeous and I was watching interviews with Joel Kim Booster and Andrew Ahn, the writer and director of Fire Island, and they talked about like how much they love this movie and how influenced they were by it, by specific scenes and things they knew that they had to incorporate from the 2005 movie specifically. So not even from the novel, but from this movie. While I'm thinking of those scenes, like I love the argument and the rain that they have. I think it's perfect in revealing like who Darcy and Elizabeth are as these characters, um, how they can misunderstand each other, how they can ultimately see each other's truths and how brave they are as characters. I really love that about them. And I think that's where the core emotion in the story lies. Um, And my favorite shot in any period movie maybe ever is in this movie. It is after Mr. Darcy and Elizabeth's hands touch. We get a 13 second take of his hand leaving hers. And then you see this close up of his hand flexing. It is absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. I think it might be the best shot Joe Wright has ever had in his career. And I remember when I watched it for the first time, I was like, this is so, it just like hit me that how cool it was to just see like how beautiful and romantic it is and how like, thinking about like a passing touch that you could have with another person and the like physical emotional connection that you can have and the sort of sensory overload that you can experience and he captures that in just one shot and is stunning and I love how everyone on the internet loves it too because you know when I first watched it I didn't know that it would have this like fan base for one particular shot but it does 
I love it. I think it's great. I do think it's Joe Wright's best movie with Atonement being a close second. But Atonement is also an incredible, an incredible book. I think the difference is that I love the book Atonement so much more than I love the movie. And the movie for Pride and Prejudice actually eclipses the novel because the feeling for me is so similar when I watch Mm. and when I read it. But yeah, cinematography, I mean, some of the shots are just like glorious, beautiful British scenery. Yeah, the focus on the hand for wanting her hand in marriage. They actually wouldn't have been able to touch like that back then. They would have worn gloves. So it's very scandalous and purposeful in the film that they actually, their skin touches. I think having watched Fire Island, though, and having read about Pride and Prejudice helped me beforehand. I'm glad I didn't go into it completely blind because I feel like I would have been very lost. But understanding the different relationships and the classism between them was so important that I kind of made it a focus when I was watching the movie. And I did like how they dealt with that. The mom was just so cuckoo. Mm -hmm. I love Donald as the father. I thought Kira was a good choice. It was funny how reading fun facts, Joe was worried about Kira at first. And what he wanted for her when they signed on is that he didn't want any pouting. And that's like her best trait, I think, in Uh movies like this. And he wasn't there filming for a day. And the other director got her to pout. And he was like so upset and still to this day when he sees it he's like can't stand watching it oh my god i mean but i i view lizzie bennett as a very stubborn character yeah i feel like pouting is fine for that character i don't know it's just my (laughs) she did have a lot of fun filming this though i read like because she was around actresses her own age she really really enjoyed it because she loved the book growing up so she was excited that she got to do it She really does feel like a Joe March to me. And I can't get that comparison out of my head now. They have similarities. And I mean, five sisters in this one, four sisters and little Mm -hmm. women. Yeah. Because she is this like very intelligent, emotionally capable woman dealing with all of her sisters of very different capabilities. But I felt like once I got into it, so once I understood what was happening, who was who, all of the men too. There are just so many men that they're courting or courting them. And it's a lot. But once you get that down, I felt like the second half was very, very good, like more intense and following this like very windy love story between Lizzie and Darcy. It feels like a very much more complex and developed story than most. And I mean, this is probably one of the first and best. That's why everyone takes from it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually think the middle of this movie is a little slow. Like, there's some where it's like, okay, like, who is this character coming in? And you've like Collins and the Judy Dench character, and you're like, okay, this is yeah. meandering, not meandering, but this is taking its time in places. Like, I don't think this is a perfect movie by any means. This is just like a sentimental favorite. And I'm not always a fan of Joe Wright, but I love this one. I think that all of the men being there and, like, all of the characters, like, that's so important because, like, part of the the humor of the story is that, like, and the crux of it is that Mrs. Bennett is trying to basically get all of her daughters married at once. Everyone, all of the rich people, all of the well-to-do people who look down on them are like, you're doing this all at once? Like, all of your sisters are out in society? That was not normal. Like, it was normally, like, a -a one-at-a-time type of situation. So... Part of the humor there, which Mm -hmm. I think is 
why Fire Island works so well as an adaptation is because essentially all of these women are looking for husbands at the same time. Like (laughs) they are all just out there searching for that in this place with the exception of Lizzie, who is like, marriage isn't for me. You know, like this isn't what I want right now. Like I, I want to love, but the person who doesn't believe in love or believe in marriage really finds the other person who doesn't believe in love or marriage. And that's what makes Mm -hmm. it so romantic. And I love that. Right. Yeah. And I think that's what's so enticing about the movie is that you might at times want to follow these other sisters, but it always comes back to Lizzie and like that final conversation between the father and her going up asking for his blessing. And he asks her like, do you want this? Like you don't like him and her explaining and him tearing up like that was great i love that yeah and donald sutherland i mean he plays a great father better than anyone else so (laughs) do you think there were any snubs i would have nominated roman osin for cinematography i think it's really well shot there are some shots that i still think of when i think back to this the hand shot especially i think it's great Yeah, I would do the same and go as far to say if I could give this movie one Oscar, that would be it. It would be cinematography. It's stunning. It is beautiful to watch. If I would put this on in the background just to glance at it, even if I wasn't like watching, watching, what would you give it? I would give it score. It was one of my go-to study scores throughout college. I would put it on when I had a paper to write or an exam and just slip into it. I think it's so beautiful and captures the feeling of this novel and of the movie just so well. It's very warm. I love it. Okay, so getting into Fire Island. Description here, a pair of best friends set out to have a legendary week-long summer vacation with the help of Cheap Rosé and a group of eclectic friends. Honestly, both of these descriptions are awful. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, IMDb. (laughs) Spirited Elizabeth Bennet and reluctantly falling in love i don't know there's so much more depth and cheap rosé it should be like k and g (laughs) (laughs) yeah the only time they mention wine is from margaret cho carrying a half open bottle and they throw that away nobody drinks it (laughs) also eclectic friends i don't (laughs) okay shame on this this writer we should write our own descriptions and not read from i should it's become a bit though at this point (laughs) Okay, well, regardless, this was directed by Andrew Ahn, starring Joel Kim Booster, Bowen Yang, Margaret Cho, and many more. So we both love this movie. Amazing. I think it's, at least from what I can think of in terms of summer movies, like, yes, Top Gun Maverick is there, but, like, maybe the best movie that defines summer, like, going to a getaway, being with your friends, finding love, just having riotous fun. And it's beautiful and it's endearing and it has everything. So I think this is my like summer movie. Yeah. First, I'm going to say, I think English teachers across the country, when you're teaching Pride and Prejudice, need to show Matt Rogers' Luke as Lydia immediately. (laughs) This take on this character had me just screaming. Perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Like the take on Lydia and Kitty in particular I was just like where did this come from this is brilliant I mean I feel like the movie was just really fun it is a perfect summer movie 
I feel like it really smartly uses Pride and Prejudice as a framework, but clearly has like other rom-com influences present. It feels like it's indebted to those classic rom-coms, but also is very, very modern. And I don't know. I like that I I have not been to Fire Island, <laughs> but <laughs> I felt like I really got a feel for how the environment factors in, and it didn't feel vanilla watered down feels like a more adult take on it it is but i think it's just honest Mm -hmm. like it's not catering to a certain audience which i think makes it easier to show the sides good and bad to everything like i love that you do get to see different parts of the island and some are more risque than others but also the deer just roaming the boardwalk so there's a range to everything But yes, obviously, like they all get into trouble and have fun together. So also, like you said, I think it's an incredible adaptation for how little I know about the story and what I learned. The similarities, the adaptation of it all seem to fit so, so perfectly so that everything flowed. So yeah, maybe things were omitted or certain things were changed. But I felt like the flow to this movie, everything has a purpose. There's not one moment that feels out of place the way that joel kim booster who by the way great performance in the movie too and a really strong script i think it's very clear like he he loves pride and prejudice but also again these romantic comedies the idea that they set this movie in a location that inherently like taps into the core theme of Pride and Prejudice, which is that like everyone's looking for someone, whether that is like another person to belong with or your own purpose or achieving some sort of goal that's related to yourself um, or connecting with other people. And I feel like the idea that you're looking for someone, whatever that means, is palpable in both films. And I like the idea that the characters in this movie are going to this place with like some sort of goal or ambition to, (laughs) I don't know, like escape or just like become a different person or hook up with whoever they want to for that little bit of time. Like that's very fun. It's escapist, but it taps into that theme in the, in Pride and Prejudice that obviously like they're not going to talk about in the 1800s. I will say one thing though. I really wish this had a theatrical release Like, you talking about it being a good summer movie, I feel like it was fun to watch at home, and I liked being able to, like, rewind and hear certain quotes again or see and watch certain scenes again. It's a movie that you want to engage with, so it's just Mm -hmm. more fun to do that in a theater. Being with an audience would be so fun. One, singing Britney Spears. Ugh, yeah. The entire audience would get into it. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, the laughs, there are constant jokes and they all hit and having that laughter as a group is why theaters exist yeah that collective experience those emotions Mm -hmm. like i want to hear at the very end everybody else sobbing along with me hopefully it's not just me (laughs) (laughs) and then like with matt rogers who absolutely kills it they are doing the marissa tomei impression from my cousin Vinny. And seeing Bowen, like, lip-read what he's doing, uh, it's just, everything is so good. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, a lot there. First, the soundtrack. Singing Sometimes, and then that amazing Muna cover of Sometimes. So good. We get Kim Petras 
Charlie XCX. I mean, the music is great. Very, very fun, for especially for summer. And that cover of Pure Imagination, When We Come Into the Harbor, that like rattles me. It gets me so excited because you get that feeling of entering this new world. And like, what better song to do that than a song from Willy Wonka? Like, oh, it's so good. I have to, I'll ask you too, like, is this close to what Fire Island is like? Like, I know you've gone and like you go. I mean, I'm sure it's crazier there. I'm sure the movie's like tamed down a little bit, but is it close? A little bit, but honestly, not much. I was surprised that they like go into the dark room at the underwear party. Amazing. But you do that. You have family dinners. You go to the beach and read and lay out and you walk the boardwalk and you go watch drag shows at these bars. It's like you just kind of do whatever you want and everybody's doing their own thing. Like you said, everyone is going for some reason, whether that be purposeful or just to disengage. Mm-hmm. And that's the joy in it, the magic in this place. I do think joy is a great word to describe it. Like, that's how I felt when I was watching it. And the comedy in this movie is just so good. The comedic writing, the timing of all of these characters who you feel like they're all friends in real life and that they've known each other for forever, just based on their banter. And like, even when Bowen gets like pushed down the stairs and like falls, I was cracking up. <laughs> The Marissa Tomei heads up thing was one of the funniest things I've seen in a movie all year. Like maybe the funniest thing. The Alicia Vikander joke with it. Oh (laughs) my God. (laughs) In the Rosie Perez line. This is the reason why everybody who I've talked to about watching the movie has seen it more than once. It's because Mm -hmm. these lines are just so well written. Like, Joel Kim Booster did an incredible job. And I will rewatch it and learn all of the lines and recite them because it's just nonstop. Yeah. So that scene in particular, the Marissa Tomei part, thinking of Pride and Prejudice characters now, you have Lydia and Kitty quizzing Darcy. Like, that's the funniest thing you can ever imagine if you're if you're a book reader or if you, if you saw the original movie. But it would make sense that a modern-day Darcy would be just like all business like yes into literature but like totally out of touch with anything anybody else is interested in that has to do with pop culture that has to do with anything that is fun that is such a good Mm -hmm. take on Darcy I thought that was really really smart and Conrad Ricamora as well great casting I feel like he really played that part in such a smart way and again in a similar way that I did in the 2005 version, you get that appeal of this character. He's different from everybody else. There is an intensity there that's really enticing. And I also love how, because Darcy famously doesn't like to dance. (laughs) (laughs) And how he has to do that. like (laughs) Completely awkward dance-off, yeah. Yes, the awkward dance-off. Like, that is so such another smart way to think about that character and it's painful to watch but hilarious yeah again all of the connections to the original the classism of it all like Mm -hmm. initially i thought conrad was playing will too standoffish and like too Mm -hmm. awkward that he like couldn't function and he was a robot like peppermint was like joking about Mm -hmm. but there's that belief behind him that he's somewhat better than everybody else here and In the end, it works because, 
I mean, the dance off doesn't like solve all of the issues and make him this lovable character, but it's breaking down those walls that eventually you see in the end. And I also think that Bo and Yang's character, Howie, is actually he his character was the most interesting part of the movie to me. I felt like he was the most well-written character and I really loved his performance. I want him to be in more movies from now on and Mhm. I never really connected with or got the Jane thing in Pride and Prejudice. Yes, like Rosamund Pike is beautiful, but there was always something that was just like, am I supposed to be interested in this character? I'm so much more interested in the Lizzie Darcy thing and not in Jane and Mr. Bingley at all. Like I just, Mm -hmm. I never care about it. And I never knew if that was just like a me problem watching it or reading it, but I really cared about this character and felt for him and I guess for the first time also understood the frustration that people have with Elizabeth Bennet and how she can be like kind of a pushy character not focused on herself in the right ways like she's she just is like in other people's business and she thinks she knows what's best for them just like Noah Joel Kim Booster thinks that he knows what's best for his friends but it's like sometimes you, like Margaret Cho's character says, you need to just let them figure it out. Like you can, mm-hmm. it's not your place necessarily. Ugh. And I felt like I really I really got that in this movie where I feel like that's sort of missing from Pride and Prejudice because you're just so focused on that central romance. Whereas here I felt like the supporting characters were more well built out. Mm-hmm. The cast together, just they work together so well. And everyone plays a part in everything that's going on. I love Margaret Cho. I feel like we need to talk about every single person because mm-hmm. it's so good. But Margaret Cho has some of the best lines as well. Her as the house mom, like she goes from extremely funny, crying my eyes out to the most emotional, heartfelt house mom that you just mm-hmm. want to give a hug to because she's there to support you and give you advice for things that she went through 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And she does that for Noah. And I love those moments. I love that too. I also love how she, if anything, this movie didn't use her enough. Like if I had one critique of the movie, it would be that. Like I wanted more of Margaret Cho and I almost think she could have been a really great narrator. Like you could have used her voiceover instead of Joel Kim Booster's. There was a little bit of a disconnect for me there because, you know, again, I'm used to the narrator in the book being Austin, not Elizabeth Bennett. So it's a weird experience, I think, when it's the same. And here it's the same as Mm -hmm. Noah is the narrator as well as the Elizabeth Bennet. So I almost feel like she could have been a good character to be the narrator. Or you could have had an additional person, another like comedian, do that. I thought this whole cast was great, though. Also, like, what did you think of the commentary around certain pressures on Fire Island of, like, how you're supposed to look and not only classism that exists that exists in pride and prejudice but like racism that they talk about like they have certain characters make comments about howie and noah and them being asian or or like having to have like seven percent body fat (laughs) like i thought that Mm. was i like how they started to touch on that too Um, but what did you think about that well that's another reason i love this movie is because there are so many toxic elements and right when they get to the island they're walking matt says hi to these people they don't know that are really hot and they're like no thanks so right then and there you see one luke's disappointment but also you're addressing 
major red flags in this community, in the world. And yes, it's a concentrated place where these things are happening. But I think that makes it so much more important to tell on a scale like this movie is. And maybe while you can't do everything and, you know, it could feel too soapboxy if you highlight it too much in a movie, I thought that in wanting to address so many things, all of what you mentioned, they do it so well. They go into enough depth where you understand it and maybe some more than others. But again, it it makes an honest attempt at trying to convey a complete picture of what's happening. And it does that. Yeah. And it, I mean, it covers so much ground in a really short period of time. Like the, the runtime is, I mean, it's sub two hours and it goes really fast, which is mm-hmm. always nice. <laughs> Did you have any other things that you noticed from Fire Island that were like similar to Pride and Prejudice that you liked after watching the two? You already mentioned the rain scene. I thought that parallel was just incredible. One, the rain. Two, the way they meet in both scenarios and realizing that happening. But the almost kiss, Mm -hmm. which happens in very different ways. That was also very fun to see. In Fire Island, Will like actually goes in for the kiss. But in Pride and Prejudice, Darcy like slowly goes and thinks about it and says, no, I shouldn't be doing this. And they kind of stop. But I think that ends up giving that scene way more tension mm-hmm. than in Fire Island. It's just more like uncomfortable yeah. energy there. I agree. I do feel like the tension is stronger between the two in Pride and Prejudice than I do in Fire Island. I just feel like it's the way it's shot. And again, mm-hmm. I think in Fire Island, I cared so much more about the ensemble as opposed to just the Darcy Elizabeth Bennett stand-ins. Mm-hmm. So that's probably why too, I think for me. I think relationship-wise, I'm more interested in the Howie-Charlie relationship. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because Howie actually wants to find somebody. And yes, Noah's there for him, but Noah is just doing his own thing. He's, I mean, he's not doing anything for Howie. So seeing these two guys act very awkward around each other and all of this bad energy between them, it's like, okay, well, I understand, but this isn't happening right now, and I want Howie to be successful. Yes. And like I was mentioning, I think with Jane, so much of it that was interesting here was that, you know, in Pride and Prejudice, it's so much like Jane is the beautiful one and Elizabeth Bennett is smart one who's maybe a good second choice for these male suitors, like according to their parents. And Mm -hmm. here there's a conflict right between Howie and Noah being the two Asian guys in their friend group like having that being an identity for them and an important identity for them, but one where, you know, Howie will be like, no, like it's different for me, implying that Noah is the better looking one. Like it's easier for him to be that way or to Mm -hmm. like hook up with people to get these guys. And here the Jane Howie is, yeah, it's so much more fun, I think, to watch him here because it isn't just, oh, he's this like pretty one who people are lining up for, who wants love, who's the first one to get it and I think too I don't know Charlie is a great Mr. Bingley here because I think Mr. Bingley is such like a he's sort of like a himbo like nice guy character and making Charlie be a pediatrician again perfect occupation for that character to have as like just a character where you're like oh he really is that nice 
Mm-hmm. And then other scenes, there's one other one, which is the letter, which is in Pride and Prejudice when Darcy explains what happened. And then in Fire Island, it's more of Will being a little bit more vague about why he doesn't like Wickham, a.k.a. Dex, but he doesn't give any answers. so hot, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> he appeared and I was like, who is this? <laughs> well, he appears in a below the knee shot and it's like oh my god (laughs) but just the way they bring a handwritten letter into the 21st century Mm -hmm. is again just another cute element to the story and in relating it to this very old story as well yeah i love that and i i also love the the modern twist of will not telling everything in the letter about dex right darcy like reveals all in the letter it's just like how that character is and the matter of the time but here it's like no i'm gonna let him tell that story and i love the confrontation scene when they just storm off and go confront dex about what he did and Mm -hmm. again the reason why i said i think that matt rogers like english teachers need to show his performance for lydia (laughs) because i feel like you know in the book and in in pride and prejudice like lydia she stays married to wickham forever she's such a mess because like she has lost it like she's she's with him and i think yeah you need to feel like that lydia character is just like crushed by the weight of everything, losing your future, losing everything. And I really felt like, you know, we get this great buildup with this character being so dramatic. And then there you're like, whoa, like you, you really feel that. Like you feel like that's a really vulnerable, horrible moment for that character. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, like he's afraid of losing the same thing, right? Like she is, but he instead gets to win a little bit in the end. Yeah, definitely. Um, And then the last thing I'll say just about what I thought was just unique thinking about this movie and the choice to do this Austin adaptation is just how when you think about like sex and intimacy in Austin novels specifically, it's usually a bad thing (laughs) that happens off screen, off the page, and it usually it leads to just financial devastation or like it it just doesn't turn out well for the characters. And here we get that more explicitly, but it's it's not like dangerous or going to lead to ruin in the same way. I suppose it can in the instance with Dex and what they're afraid of, but I like that it empowers the characters instead. It's not necessarily like this this bad thing mm-hmm. that is so much a relic of the time. An end all be all, yeah. Mm-hmm. They use these situations to better themselves or help each other out which i think is why i love this movie i can like understand what the characters are going through maybe a bit better there than in pride and prejudice Mm -hmm. it's similar but like a different context and then the way it's so constructive and heartwarming and it's all about friendship like Mm -hmm. no matter what sex love it's about friendship and i think that being the main theme over like who falls in love with who that is all just a part of like having a chosen family or friends that love you. And that to me means the most. I agree. I was thinking too, like if you even took the, the love story part out of it, 
it would be a great movie. Like you, you don't even need mm-hmm. it. You can. It could just be about these friends going on this, <laughs> this trip. Being on and an island. They go through. Yeah, like <laughs> that would have been fine. Like the romance is great. I love that. But I think this story is much more about those bonds than about the love. It's more about the platonic mm. love than the romantic love. <laughs> so before we wrap up, this movie's on Hulu, like we mentioned. Unfortunately, because of that, it's not eligible for any Oscars. That's the rule now? I didn't yeah, even know like that. Yeah, it's like a TV movie. Okay, so maybe Emmys. It's unfortunate, but here it's eligible on this show. So if you could give this movie one Oscar, what would it be? But wait, is Turning Red eligible? Yeah, because I think they're playing it for a qualifying run. Oh, okay. But like this, Good Luck to You, Leo Grand, the Emma Thompson movie... <sighs> Like, there are a couple that are just, like, wow. straight to Hulu, so they're not going to be eligible. That's sad. I would give it to Jolkin Booster. I love the script. I think the adaptation, everything we've talked about applies here. Many great aspects, but I love what he did. He got me intrigued in wanting to learn about Pride and Prejudice and this Austin world and captured where I've been and these experiences, these friendships you make and have had, and I think portray that very, very well on screen. Uh, what would you give it? I think that's a great answer. That is what I was leaning towards at the start of the episode. But the more I think about it, I think I'm actually going to give Best Supporting Actor to Bo and Yang. Oh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> because I absolutely loved what he did with Howie. He made me so interested in the Jane character, which has never mm-hmm. happened for me before. <laughs> I thought he was funny. I thought he had so much charisma in the part. He really held this friend group together for me and I just I loved him Mm. I want him to be in more movies I can't even say like oh this person whenever they're on screen I can't keep my eyes off them because it's multiple people but he's the most fun to watch like his intonations and his delivery Mm -hmm. of these lines like even just the defense is wrong watching him like whisper that I don't know there's just a way to him and he he gets everything perfect yeah, I mean, there's physical comedy there, his delivery, everything. It's just spot on. So we, I think it's clear, wholeheartedly recommend watching mm-hmm. Fire Island on Hulu now. Over and over and over. <laughs> it's totally worth it. This will be my most viewed movie of 2022. <laughs> <laughs> will it be your number one movie of 2022? Is it up to this point, your number one? It is right now. I haven't seen much. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen anything like incredible. And this is the one movie so far. Yeah. It's been a tough year so far. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not even halfway. <laughs> I think my top three are After Yang, Fire Island, mm. and Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> <laughs> a plethora of films. You know, you, you have all of your variety right there. Yeah, for you. see, I'm bringing that here for you mm-hmm. <laughs> and next time on oscar wilde we will be doing another installment of our they won for that series this time we'll be talking about kate winslet who won best actress for the reader people suggested this one to us a number of times and i agree if you didn't listen to our episode on al pacino Go back and listen to that. We will talk about Kate's performance in The Reader, why she won, and then we will each provide an alternative where we think she should have won instead. I'm excited to do this on Kate. She's had a great career. 
two big things for her happening this year. Titanic is having its 25th anniversary, so we'll be covering that this year on the pod at some point. And then also we have Avatar The Way of Water coming out later this year. And we figured we would wait to do Kate until then, but things are always crazy come November, December. So mm-hmm. we want to fit her in. We'll see if we match up on movies or not. There's a lot to go over. I'm excited. Yeah, definitely. And if you like our show, feel free to rate, review, and subscribe. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Oscar Wilde Pod. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. See you next time. Bye.